This is the Data Privacy Detective again, and today we're going to talk about how organizations and individuals can achieve online privacy, focusing on three top issues. We're going to talk about cookies, chatbots, and then how we know if a business is sharing our personal information. And today we have a wonderful guest. It's Donata Stroink-Skillrud. Donata, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. Now, Donata, you're an Illinois attorney, and, and you're, you're a certified information privacy professional. You're also the president and the legal engineer of Termageddon LLC. You chair the American Bar Association's e-privacy committee, and you're also a fellow at the America, American Bar Foundation. So you have some real background to share with us. Let's start about cookies. And I'm not talking about the uh, the tasty kind here. These are things that pop up where, when we're on a website and up comes a pop-up about cookies. And what's, what's going on when that happens? Sure. Um, so cookies are basically small pieces of data that are used to track a user. Um, so they can track like what websites you visited, what pages you clicked on, what ads you clicked on. They can also be used for security and, and fraud prevention services. So not all cookies are bad. But essentially, the, the impetus of a, of a cookie consent banner is to allow consumers to choose whether or not they would like certain cookies to track them. And I think just with everything else in, in privacy, the first thing that you need to figure out are what laws apply to you. Because there are certain laws that require cookie consent banner to be placed and certain laws that do not require that. Um, so my first kind of recommendation would be for people to figure out if those laws that require cookie consent banner actually apply to your business. And there's really people who are uh, who have a website and of course they have to comply with the law. And we see what 12 states now in the United States were recording this in December 2023 that have adopted codes in Canada and Quebec, uh, you see uh, this happening. And of course, in Europe, uh, a long time, there, there have been rules about this. So law is driving this. Absolutely. And when you look at Europe laws or, or UK laws, they really require users to consent prior to being tracked. So that means that your cookie consent banner needs to stop all of that tracking, and it can only enable that tracking after the user says, yes, please track me. Um, and it's really important that you obtain proper consent for this. And proper consent means that your banner needs to display an accept option and a decline option. So you need to have both. That's very, very important. And right, I've seen some that uh, give you three choices, too, like only the necessary ones or something like that. Yeah, that's okay, too. Um, but usually we'll see a lot of cookie consent banners that just say, by continuing to use this website, we assume you're okay with cookies and you just click okay. Um, and that's not actual consent. So those um, kind of banners are, are not compliant. And in the US, it's kind of, it's different. It's different legislation. It's more to allow consumers to opt out of sales of their data or to opt out of um, targeted ads. So that's why it's really important to figure out what legislation applies to you because that will dictate the features and the layout of your of your consent banner. Right. As my prior episode uh, covered, Google itself, which isn't a government, although it might feel like that from time to time, Google is requiring its own standards for uh, uh, 
uh, you know, what a consent, uh, cookie consent is. And, and that's certainly driving people who want to use Google and who doesn't. So you have this combination going on. Well, what about the choices? Uh, well, what's your advice to individuals? Up they pop. Do we just say, sure, go ahead every time? Or what should we think about? So it's really up to you what, what you'd like to do, right? It's your data. It's your choice. Um, my recommendation would be to look at the cookie consent pop-up um, and, and click more information if that's available. Or if that's not available, going down to the cookie policy or going down to the privacy policy to see what cookies they're actually trying to place on your device. So if there's certain cookies that you're not comfortable with, so for example, some people are not comfortable with Facebook ads, them tracking them through different websites, you may want to decline those. I think it's really important for consumers to realize that there are a lot of cookie consent banners out there that we call placebo banners, meaning that no matter what you click, you will still be tracked. Um, so my recommendation would be to use a privacy-focused browser, um, such as Brave, which blocks all cookies um, by default and only opts you in when you click accept. So that's something to keep in mind is, is learn about who is trying to track you and why and how long you will be tracked, and then make a decision um, according to that to see what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. Right. And then in general, if you say, no, I declined cookies, does that mean you can't shop there online? Or what, what's the impact of uh, voting no? Usually the impact is that you just won't be tracked. Um, so for example, like Google Analytics um, will not work, meaning that you won't be tracked as you use the website. So the website owner won't know what pages you clicked on or how long you stayed at a page. Um, or advertising will not be tracked. So like Facebook Pixel, um, things like that will not work. But usually the website should still perform as normal. And that's because privacy laws allow for essential cookies. So for example, if there's some type of cookie without which the website would just completely break and not work, those cookies, they do not require consent. So the website should still work as normal. It's just certain features may not work like um, advertising tracking or maybe some videos may not work, but you should still be able to shop. Let's go to our second one about chatbots. Uh, let me ask this. We've got chatbots now, and should an organization with a website just ask a chatbot to write its data privacy policies? So I actually did a whole study on this. Being a, being a privacy lawyer, it's something that I, I'm very interested in, especially at the very beginning once it was first coming up. And yeah, I mean, it's it's very tempting to do it. So the way privacy policies are created... So you first have to determine what laws apply to you because that's what dictates what your privacy policy says. So you figure out what laws apply and that's what tells you what disclosures your privacy policy needs to contain. Now the chatbot, it doesn't really ask you questions. So it doesn't really help you determine what laws apply to you. And then if you ask it to write, for example, a GDPR privacy policy, at least the last time I tried is it wouldn't create all the disclosures required by GDPR, for example. And then also the chatbot doesn't know your actual business and privacy practices. So that means that your privacy policy will not be accurate as to your actual practices, meaning that it will not be compliant because that's the, the second aspect of compliance. The first is the disclosures required. The second is fitting your actual business and privacy practices. So it doesn't do that. And then it also doesn't combine multiple laws together. So if you have two, three, four privacy laws that apply to you, which is the case for most businesses, it just does not do that. 
And then lastly, and I think this is probably the most important point, is that it doesn't update your uh, privacy policy as laws change. So over the next few years, we have about um, eight new privacy laws going into effect. We have three dozen privacy bills proposed in the U.S. We have Canada, Australia, and the U.K. proposing to amend their privacy laws, all of which changes privacy policy disclosure requirements. And the chatbot will not notify you of these, uh, and it will not update your privacy policy accordingly. So it's and really it won't not give you a legal advice. <laughs> it's not <laughs> that's, Yeah, that's very true. It will not give you legal advice. Um, it's just really not a good solution for um, if you want to prevent fines and lawsuits, right? If you want to just get a privacy policy up there and, you know, you can do that, but it won't help you actually comply with any of these laws unless you tell it the exact disclosures that you need. Um, you know, you tell it your exact privacy and business practices and you update the privacy policy yourself later. But then at that point, you know, you're spending half of your day updating and, and researching privacy laws. So, you know, I'm not sure anybody wants to do that. Right. And we all know chatbots can hallucinate. That's the recent word for it. Well, let me ask you this. You, I mean, you, you, you term again, that's not a law firm. Tell us a little bit about how that approaches this, because for a lot of small and mid-sized businesses, they just can't afford a huge budget. They don't want to get in trouble or they certainly want to comply. But what does Termageddon do? How does it approach this problem? Sure. Um, so we're a software as a service provider. We're not a law firm uh, and we don't provide legal advice. But the way that our software works is it asks you a series of questions. So the first set of questions will help, help the software figure out what laws apply to you and therefore what disclosures your, your policies need to have. The second set of questions will um, be used to create those disclosures for you. And then when you click submit and finish your um, questionnaire, you will get the text of the policy itself and you'll also get an embed code. So the embed code is what goes onto your website's privacy policy page. It's what displays the policy text. And then it's also what allows us to make updates to your time. So we track bills, laws, legislation, rules, regulations, cases, all of that. And then if something comes up that, that is relevant to your policies, we'll send you an email notifying you. And then we'll also update your policies accordingly. Really a form of AI applied to uh, legal uh, templates, shall I use the word? No AI here. <laughs> so it, it just comes, um, some of the legal engineer behind it, so it all just comes from, from my brain. Uh, we do not use AI mainly because, uh, you know, it, it fails to hallucinate, it, it hallucinates um, and it's um, usually out of date and, and fails to take into account kind of the complexities of these requirements. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you for that explanation. Well, let's take uh, topic three. Uh, websites uh, can certainly misuse our personal information. How do we know if a website is going to do that? So really, you know, when it, when it comes to misuse of personal information, it's difficult to see if a company will do that, right? Because it's usually kind of a black box. So you can read their privacy policy, you can read their cookie policy, and, and in there will say, you know, we're, we're very serious about your privacy and we would never misuse it. The best way to kind of see if your information will be misused is to look at past records. Um, so you can look up, for example, Facebook privacy lawsuit or Facebook privacy infringement or Facebook data breach or any of these types of things. And you'll usually be able to see if a company has been previously fined or investigated or anything like that for privacy infringements. Um, so that's a great way to tell if you know privacy infringements are likely in the future. 
I think for a lot of consumers, you know, they assume that sharing personal information is just this really, really horrible thing and and they don't want to do business uh, or buy from any company that shares personal information. And I think that's kind of a misunderstanding. Oh, how can Uh, you find out if an organization is doing that? So what you can do is you can read their privacy policy and see because they should list who they share their information with. Um, one really fun trick that I've seen um, is that people will change their email address. So for example, my email address is donatatermageddon.com. But let's say I'm shopping at Walmart. I will change my email address to donata plus Walmart at termageddon.com. I will still receive the emails, but if that email address gets an email from somebody else, I'll know that Walmart shared my personal information because I didn't give that email to anyone else. So that's a fun trick to use. Um, but I would caution um, consumers against really judging companies for sharing information. So there's two kinds of sharing information, in my opinion. So the first kind is information that's expected and required. So for example, if I buy a pair of shoes online, that company will have to share information, my information with FedEx to ship me the shoes, right? That part is expected. It has to be done to complete the... Or with the credit card company or PayPal or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, But there's a second type of sharing, which is not expected. So for example, if I buy shoes, I'm not really expecting you to sell that information to a data broker who then sells it to the government, right? So be cautious of the second kind of sharing of personal information. And it's really hard to tell when this actually happens. Because most companies will not disclose that to consumers. But, you know, if you signed up for a service and all of a sudden you're getting a thousand spam calls from God knows where, that might be, um, you know, evidence that that might be happening. Uh, those are great tips. And what a great trick to try. I'm going to have to try that one. Thank you for that. And by the way, when you said plus, you use the plus sign. Yes, exactly. So you'll still get the emails to your regular inbox, but you'll be able to tell that the email you gave to Walmart is, you know, being used by Zoom, for example, which you never gave it to Zoom. So that means they shared it. And not saying that Walmart does it, just using that as an example. Yeah, very good example. Well, let's close with this. So what are your two top tips for organizations that do want to be, that want to be privacy-centric? So my first tip is, is again, determine what laws apply to you, because that's the only way in which you will know what requirements you need to meet. So don't assume that if you're GDPR compliant, don't assume that you're CPRA compliant. You know, that's these California. laws have, yeah. yep, exactly. So these laws have very different requirements. So don't assume that because you're compliant with one, you're compliant with others. Um, and then also have a comprehensive privacy policy and have a strategy to keep that up to date. More and more consumers are looking for privacy information online and more and more consumers are leaving websites when they don't find that information there or they're not doing business with companies that don't provide them with that information. So that's a very easy way to lose business, uh, but having a privacy policy can help you avoid fines and then also kind of demonstrate to your customers that you care about their privacy. And how about for individuals? What are your two top tips for people about protecting their personal privacy while they are online? So my first uh, recommendation for individuals is to learn your rights. Um, So depending on what state or country you reside in, you may have privacy rights. So some people may have a right to opt out of marketing or um, delete their information or to correct their information in, in companies' records. 
So look up what rights you have in the state or country in which you reside so that you understand how you can control your personal information. And then the second portion would be be careful with who you're doing business with, because the more you provide your data to different companies online, the more likely that it's going to be breached, you know, used in ways that you don't want it to be used, or you're going to get spam. You know, we, we all get endless spam here, at least in the U.S., so, you know, make sure that you're providing your co- your information only to legitimate companies that you know are not going to abuse your data. Well, Donata, thank you very much for this tour of three fascinating topics and four tips, two for individuals and two for organizations. And I will close, uh, listeners, as I always do, by reminding us all, protecting your personal information begins with you. you.